Welcome to The Good Work, a podcast and video series that follows the event company, an event design company that specializes in corporate, nonprofit, and social events. Our passion lies in creating one-of-a-kind events that share the good work of organizations we are fortunate to collaborate with. Tune in for conversations with leaders of these great groups, our best advice for your next event, and some behind-the-scenes moments. Now, let us show you the good work. In this episode of The Good Work, you'll hear from Sarah Tweet, Communications Director at South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotions Council, and their initiative, Hungry for Truth. Hungry for Truth looks to open discussions between consumers and farmers about food, which leads us to one of our favorite summer events, the Farm to Fork Dinner. Listen up to find more about Hungry for Truth, their branding that leads to the most beautiful decor, and the meaningful conversations that occur at the Farm to Fork Dinner. Please join us in welcoming to today's vodcast, Sarah Tweet. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun when I get to come to your office and visit you guys. We love it when you come downtown. Me too. We get to coffee date sometimes, cocktails. Sometimes happy hour. Sometimes happy hour. The best kind of meetings. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm excited to have you share a little bit more about soybean as well as Hungry for Truth because it's one of our most beautiful events, as you know. And it's always kind of fun to see the behind the scenes and just to give our viewers and listeners a little bit about what all goes into it. So I want to hear more from you, though, in your background. Like, how did you get into South Dakota Soybean? Because Hungry for Truth is an initiative of the Soybean yes. Promotion Council. So I want to hear yes, more about is. that. So tell us all the background. All right. Well, first, I grew up on a farm just west of Sioux Falls, about 20 miles west. And my family has farmed there for a hundred and thirty years this year, wow. so definitely a long time. Um, and my family farm has crops, and then we also have a small cow calf operation. So I grew up around agriculture, but I never really expected that I would end up working in agriculture. And I went to SDSU. I have my degree in journalism and communications, and you know, one thing led to another, yeah. and here I am. I am communications director of the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. And what does that mean? Because <laughs> we know, I mean, you travel a lot, which is incredible. We love following you. I mean, you have a lot of adventures, but you also, we've met, we've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of the farmers mm-hmm. and kind of, I know you wrangle them around, which is <laughs> just part of your role, but communications director is a big job. So I want to know, like, what is your... I know there's no typical day in Sarah Tweet's life by any means, but what do you do day in and day out? Well, first of all, it is absolutely a pleasure and a privilege to be able to work for farmers in our state. And I couldn't imagine working anywhere else or for anyone else. So I really want to say that they're some of the best people to work for. Um, The South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council is the soybean checkoff organization in our state. So... What that means is that every time a farmer sells his soybeans in South Dakota, he pays a very small percentage of that to the checkoff. And we are able to take those dollars and we invest in the soybean industry as a whole. And so we invest in a lot of projects. We have um, a volunteer farmer board. They're made up of farmers from across the state. And we do things with that budget like we invest in production research to help increase yields. We do a lot of market development activities, mm-hmm. um, so developing new markets and building relationships with our customers overseas. Most of South Dakota soybeans are exported overseas, so that's really important for us. 
Um, and then we also do a lot of things like consumer outreach. And that's kind of where Hungry for Truth comes in. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite projects that I get to help coordinate. And then with that, the whole goal is just to get, connect South Dakotans to farmers who grow our food. Hungry for Truth has always been one of my favorite pieces, yeah. too. It's, I think that the one thing that I love about it is the conversations that people have. And it's getting to know those farmers. Like you said, like it is a privilege to work with them. We absolutely love it. We've got a couple of our absolute favorites. Yes. Jerry Schmitz, <laughs> he's, like our, he's like the grandpa I wish that he would adopt us. Every time point. he talks, <laughs> we all just fall in love. Oh, gosh. But it's all of them. I mean, there's so many incredible male, female farmers out there that Mm -hmm. we've had a chance to connect with over the years as well. And you do become part of their family and you learn a little bit more about them as well. I mean, we've traveled with them across the state too, helping to share the story. And I think that's such an impactful piece. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how, how did Hungry for Truth start? Like, what were you guys? The reason why I say this is sometimes our best events come from small little conversations that nobody ever thought would be that big, and it's just blown up. So I want to know, like, how did Hungry for Truth start? That is a good question. And so, um, you know, I would say that over time, um, people have slowly started to kind of lose the connection they have to the farm. In South Dakota, we're lucky. Most people have a grandparent who farmed mm-hmm. or an uncle, or they do have some type of um, farming background in their history. But, um, you know, as things progress and technology progresses, we don't all have to be involved in the production of our food, which is a good thing because mm-hmm. it frees up our time to do other things like right. your jobs and my right. jobs. Right. But... Um, What's important is that um, family farm connection. And so we wanted to make sure that we are sharing that story of food, how food is grown and raised, um, you know, the safety of our food, the quality of our food. And just because people want to feel more connected to our food now more than ever before, we want to be there as a resource because who better to ask than farmers who do it every day? And that's really the essence of Hungry for Truth. So um, we saw that, you know, consumer questions and concerns Mm -hmm. were maybe heightening a little bit in South Dakota. And our board of directors, the farmers who we work with every day, farmers like Jerry, Mm -hmm. um, and they really saw it as an opportunity to be a resource and open up the doors and have these types of conversations. Yeah. And I think one thing that I know that you and I talk a little bit about, Sarah, is the engagement piece at this event is unlike any other as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that engaging piece and what you've kind of seen over these last few years? Sure. Well, the whole point of Hungry for Truth is that we like to say we're putting it all on the table to, um, you know, open up those conversations and build trust and transparency with South Dakotans in our state. And so that's really the whole point of our Farm to Fork dinner and Hungry for Truth. And so we said, hey, you know, the number one way to make a connection is to sit down and share a meal with someone. We, um, you know, have family traditions of sharing meals. When you go out for business dinners, you sit down and share a meal. And we really wanted to bring that type of connection and that close connection Mm -hmm. to South Dakotans through our farm to fork dinner. And so, um, more than anything, those conversations that happen at our event are by far the most important and most impactful piece that we have. And they're so organic, too. Absolutely. And um, we're not, like we were talking about earlier, everybody has questions, and yeah. they want to know more about how their food's grown and raised. And so it really is just a natural thing to be able to sit, talk about the food that people have in front of you. Um, we try to source a lot of it from local mm-hmm. farmers. Um, 
But then also sometimes share the story of, you know, we maybe don't have pork on the table from a local farmer, but we have local farmers who sell their pork to Costco. Mm -hmm. And so making those connections and realizing that food you um, purchase at the grocery store a lot of times really does have that local connection and you just might not realize it. So what is the planning process leading up to those conversations? What does that look like? Yes. So um, Farm to Fork is obviously a large event. We have between 150 to 200 guests attend. And um, first, I'd like to say we absolutely couldn't carry out this event without our awesome partners at the event company. I mean, truly, that is why we work with you. We love working with you year after year. You know the right people. You know the things to do. And you have really elevated this event to um, something we couldn't have imagined when we first started talking about planning it. Thank you. Um, but you guys know the process really more than anybody, but it is a truly a year long process. We start, um, every year we think about, you know, what's our theme going to be. We start thinking about locations. What farmers can we pull in? Um, what farms are close enough to Sioux Falls that can really showcase the story of food and farming in South Dakota. And so thinking about those types of things now already for next June, and then thinking about our past events and what um, worked well, what didn't work well, what can we change and improve, what would our guests like to see? Those are all things that we start thinking about probably well a year in advance. Yeah, it's crazy that you say that a year in advance, because sometimes we have people that reach out to us and say, we've got an event coming up in three months, like, can you help us? And honestly, it's there at that point where it's almost panic to them. And this event, it is there's so many details and so many partners that are a part of it. Um, And you do a lot of the sourcing of the food, you know, you work closely with the farmers Mm -hmm. to figure out where the cheese is coming from, where the milk is coming from, all these little bits and pieces. Um, When you're doing that, what is the reception from the farmers? Like when you when they reach, you know, it's not when you reach out to them and talk to them about we are hosting this dinner and what it's like. What's their reception about getting involved? Truthfully, we have so many farmers who want to be involved in our Hungry for Truth Farm to Fork dinner just because we've really built it up over the years. They've Mm -hmm. seen what a success it is. And more than anything, they want to share their stories. I mentioned earlier, my family's been in our farm for 130 years. Their farms have been in their families just as long. And it truly is a passion. It is something that they focus on sustainability. It's a family tradition, that connection to Mm -hmm. the land and to our food. And who doesn't want to share that with someone? You know, we sit down and have a meal with them. They're also really responsive when we talk about sourcing local foods. And it's something that's important because it is a farm-to-fork dinner. But then also looking at, there's a lot of ways that our food can be local without us realizing it. And so we like to share those stories. Um, You don't just have to uh, buy your beef from a farmer out of their freezer for it to be local. We have farmers who sell their beef to Tyson, for example. And I think the whole point of that is really sharing with our, you know, our friends and neighbors in Sioux Falls and South Dakota that um, the care and the pride that farmers take into raising our food Mm -hmm. translates no matter if you're buying it directly from them or if you're buying it at the grocery store. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. Sarah and I actually this year sat at the same table and just hearing conversations, whether it's our table or just next to us about people are selling their their product to Costco. And like you said, to Tyson, and it's crazy to think, and I don't know why, and maybe it's just the naive piece of me that thinks, gosh, this is pretty cool. And this is happening here. But it's those stories that aren't told unless we're at events like the Farm to Fork Dinner. 
So speaking of this year, uh, this year is a different challenge, I think. And we shared a little bit about this um, in one of our first episodes about moving the event within a couple days prior to. <laughs> so I want to hear from you, like, what are some of your most favorite memories um, of the past Farm to Fork dinners? Oh, my gosh. There's so many. I think one thing that we've done really well is to create an aesthetic and an event that people want to be at. Yeah. I mean, yes, the number one point of the evening is the conversations and sharing a meal with an actual farmer. Um, but to have it be in such a beautiful location, most of the time we are directly on the farm mm-hmm. to have that setting um, is really perfect for those conversations and connections that we have. Um, I don't think I can pick just one. Obviously, seeing our guests light up when they come to our event. And maybe the first one was kind of a good example of that because it was our first year. And anytime you start something from the beginning, people are a little unsure. Like, what do we expect? Do we actually want to go to this? I've never heard of these people before. And to see their faces light up when they got there and they saw how beautiful it was and how amazing the food was and just how kind our farmers were and how they could make those genuine connections that's probably, um, you know, one of my favorite things about every farm to fork dinner we do. Yeah. Do you remember that first year we didn't have ambassadors, right? We mm-hmm. just went in and planned this really awesome event out at Jeff Thompson's farm. And um, afterwards, people, we got a group of people together from the event. And all they kept saying is, we want to hear more from the farmers. It wasn't like we want better food or we want better flour or any of those things. It's they wanted to hear more from the farmers. What's been their comments back? I know we've got more farmers this year, obviously, you know, we've had to bring in more people to kind of help share that story. Mm-hmm. But how does that when you share those things with the farmers? What's what's their take on things? Well, first, I think they're a little blown away because we try so often um, through a number of different ways to make sure we are sharing our story. And in person, you just can't beat those connections mm-hmm. you're going to make in person. And so um, to hear about the questions people are asking, they can talk to them directly, how interested people are in mm-hmm. their farms is really such a powerful thing um, for a farmer to be a part of. And I'd say that's probably one of their favorite parts about being able to be there. Yeah, I think that, you know, I grew up, um, we did not have animals. I just grew up in the country. I think we've shared, talked a little bit about that, but, you know, it, um, or crops, but we, um, I think, take that for granted to share your story because it's what you do day in and day out. And it's similar to us. I mean, we plan events day in and day out and we just do it. And some people think like, gosh, you like can move mountains and however many hours and make it all happen. Well, well you can. <laughs> Some days, we'll see. But it's things like that that we just do, right? And it's the same with them. I think of people like John Horter and John Shire and all these individuals, mm-hmm. Paul Casper, all these farmers that we've had the chance to work with, like they just do it day in and day out because they love it, right? But when you put them in front of a group of people that don't hear those things or have ever stepped foot um, in a dairy barn ever mm-hmm. before, they are completely blown away. And I think that's one of the things, actually, I have goosebumps right now. It gives me goosebumps to think about <laughs> it's not just an event that you're hosting and it's not just conversations. It's truly changing people's lives, which is so cool that you're a part of that and you helped build those things. Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And how you can't get more personal than food. The food that you put on your table to share um, with your family, mm-hmm. the food that you build connections with, um, you know, with your friends and yeah. with your colleagues, you can't get more personal than that. And so the fact that farmers in our state have a role in putting that on our tables, they take that very seriously, but it is also very rewarding for them to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. 
So how would you say that these events have benefited Hungry for Truth? Oh, wow. Um, I think that just because of the reputation we've built up mm-hmm. from our Firm to Fork event, it's kind of something we get questions. How do I get invited to yeah. this? How can I get on the invite list? And um, it has really helped drive awareness of Hungry for Truth in the Sioux Falls area and just around the state because people see it on Pinterest or yeah. they see it in places like that and they want to learn more. Um, so that's been a huge impact for us. Um, Again, we've talked about those personal stories and connections, but also on our website, HungryForTruthSD.com, we have blogs that are posted weekly that Mm -hmm. feature those same farmers telling their stories, features their family. We talk a lot about food safety issues. We talk about um, recipes, our favorite farm recipes, things like that. And so to be able to kind of carry those conversations from our event to our website where we can continue to have those and on social media has been really valuable for us. Yeah, I I still think it's pretty impactful that we have this event, right, that's been built over these last three years that people want to be a part of, right? And they want to know how they can get on the guest list, like you said. But it is truly, it's about conversations that we're having. And it's just as simple as that. No matter how gorgeous it is or what the table centerpieces look like or how great the food is, it's truly the basics and drilling it down to just conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's what people want. And that's what I think is so incredible about Hungry for Truth and the initiative is it's as simple as that. It's just yeah. it's just as simple. There's nothing sugarcoating it by any means. But And our event's unique. A little bit because we're not fundraising at it. We are selling information. We are selling connections and those types of things. So there's not an actual ask. So people can really relax and enjoy themselves in a beautiful setting with real South Dakota farmers Mm -hmm. to have those um, conversations. So what do you think? um, What's the future of Hungry for Truth then? I know that's like probably the $9 million question right now. (laughs) I mean, we do host these events, not only locally, but across the state and sometimes Mm -hmm. a couple of them throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And you do so many touch points. But what, what do you want as the future? Like, what do you see as the future of Hungry for Truth? Well, in a perfect world, that's a really good question. It's a loaded question. (laughs) I think our dream would be that when someone has a question or a concern about food, maybe they see a label at the grocery store that they don't understand or seems a little scary that they come to us for a resource. So in, um, you know, that's kind of a pie in the sky. We want to be the number one resource in South Dakota or even the Midwest or heck, even the country. Yeah. <laughs> Why stop here? Right. Um, because we have real stories. We're a very reputable mm-hmm. source and we want to be that go-to um, place of information when people have questions. And we'll be honest. And we mm-hmm. talk about about a lot of tough topics and what it means. And the great thing is, you know, we're talking about GMOs. We're talking about pesticides, sustainability, um, food safety, those types of things. And we support choice. And we just want to help share information about why farmers might make their own choices on their farms. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of the day, um, it's up to every South Dakotan to make the choice that's best for themselves and their families. And um, so we will be honest. We will be transparent. We will not sugarcoat things. But we're going to tell you the reasoning behind why we do and what we do. 
And we do showcase a lot of different types of farms and different farming practices too. So it's a very real picture of what South Dakota agriculture looks like. Yeah, you bring up a good point that it's true and it's honest and it's it's real. Like that's the thing that I love about it too. And to be honest, and we've shared this with you too, people try to duplicate this event a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you'll kind of see it. It's not, I mean, we don't host any other farm dinners like this, but you'll see other farm to fork things pop up or this pops up and whether it's in our community or other areas. I think a lot of end goals are to look like Hungry for Truth. Yeah. So, I mean, you, it's very, it's admirable of what you're doing. And it's incredible, though, to see the power behind it because it is truly grabbing and getting together a group of volunteer farmers mm-hmm. that want to share their story. And I hate saying that it's as simple as that, but that's what it is. And it's just gathering these people together to hear that that story and the conversation. So yeah, it's people want to be people want to be like you when they grow up. Oh. <laughs> yes. Well, our farmers would love to hear that, and we really just have to. I mean, the thought that went in between the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council and our South Dakota Soybean Association volunteers. Um, to start this initiative and to really take a step back and, you know, create something that is fun for consumers to Mm -hmm. engage with um, that South Dakotans want to be a part of. Um, I really give them a lot of credit for um, their vision they had to do that. And we've talked about how beautiful it is. And then we talk about the conversations. Mm -hmm. I think the great thing about our event, because of that aesthetic, um, people want to share it on social media. It is so beautiful that people want their phones out. They want to take pictures. They want to um, share that with their friends and their family. And so that's also one thing that's really helped amplify our message is through, um, you know, having something that's so social media worthy. Yeah, you have a hard job in that communications piece of it of because I would want to share every single picture. And we and I talked about this, like we both (laughs) were so busy this year and having really good conversations. It was hard for us to do um, to do so and to get those pictures out. But you have a hard job to be able to keep that going and to keep that momentum going because you do have such a powerful force behind you. And for them to trust in not only you, but the organization and the association and the initiative and Mm -hmm. all of your partners is pretty admirable. So kudos to you guys, because we love being a part of it. It's It's so fun. And you, I mean, even this year of changing the whole event, Sarah led this event this year and her and the team had to cancel vendors, reschedule vendors, get new vendors on all within 27 hours. It was pretty. It was a lot of last minute decisions. Yes. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> if I you can it, say it that, she, it maybe she can say it was fun now. Probably not at the time. Yeah. No, everything worked out good. We we have a lot of fun memories from this, this year's <laughs> event, but yeah. that's what makes it fun and unique, but. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate the story and kind of hearing a little bit of behind the scenes and your perspective of what makes it unique. Oh, well, thank you again for having me. And going back to what I said earlier, we couldn't do this event without, you know, our partners here at the event company, without your vision and just understanding all the details that have to be put together. I mean, I can tell you there's no way I would have been able to change a venue within 27 hours on my own. And so the fact that you have those connections and the relationships and the expertise is so invaluable to us. And I know, um, obviously, our farmers have a huge part in it, but we won't be able to do it without you guys either. Well, thank you. We will stand by you year after year as long as we don't have to change it again in 27 hours. (laughs) (laughs) So Mother Nature, please be on our side in the future years. You, I think you we'll, just jinxed us for next I know, year. No, knock on some wood here. We'll see. But thank you so much, Sarah. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Good Work. A special thank you to Sarah Tweet for sharing the story of Hungry for Truth with us today. Tune in next week to meet Ryan Eichler, president of the South Dakota Cattlemen's Foundation, and hear about the Primetime Gala and its immense impact on ending hunger. Don't forget to subscribe to The Good Work on YouTube and iTunes and follow the event company on social media to stay up to date on the good work we are part of each day.